0: All right. Thanks, Kelly. Good morning, Chapel Hill. If you are watching us online, I have been informed that our main camera's out. So if I don't make eye contact with you, it's because doing this the whole time is pretty awkward. So uh, bear with us, <laughs> we'll, we'll get that corrected. Um, so last night, I have to share last night uh, what what I was able to do last night. We went, I uh, took my family and we went to see Philip Shorey's show last night, the, uh, the Charlie Chaplin film and uh, the orchestral piece that he put to go along with it. And uh, there were a bunch of you there that was great um, it was a it was a tremendous show It was really quite something so um, uh, just really encouraging to be a part of the ministries that we partner with and and to be able to come alongside them and and enter into what they're doing um, we'll just keep keep bringing that in front of the church and uh, and keep celebrating what uh, what God has put in our path in terms of things to support people to support and all that kind of stuff. So uh, it was a great, great night. Um, okay, uh, we have, obviously we have the massive house up on the stage now. Um, I'm going to use that in a little bit. Um, we had some, some fun because originally the plan was to have it over here and we had it set up over here. And then we found out that um, two weeks from today we're going to have a baptism. Um, Sydney Herzog is going to be baptized. Super excited about that. And uh, so um, the baptistry, for those of you who are relatively new, and it's been a while since we used the inside one and we didn't baptize in a the lake, there's a baptistry hidden behind that corner panel over there. And so we just opted, we'll, we'll put the house over here and keep it there. And so anyway, now you know. There's a baptism coming up in two weeks, and if you have been thinking about getting baptized and you'd like to be baptized, um, just go ahead and contact the church office or come and talk to me, and, um, and we will get that set up for you. We'd love to, love to enter into that celebration with you. So if you'd also like to be baptized in two weeks on Sunday during the service, just let us know, and uh, we'll start that conversation. All right. Today, we're going to start a new series of messages, and this series is called The Upper Room. And hopefully that explains why this thing's on the stage. Um, that's going to be my my whiteboard or my cork board. I'm not going to write on it, but I'm going to poke a whole bunch of holes in this throughout the series. So um, that's why it's there. This is a time of reflection for us as a church. I know that many of you are new to the church since the start of the pandemic, um, and and I want to make sure that. We all have an understanding of what we're about here at Chapel Hill Church. And so that's the purpose of this series. And for those of you who have been here for a long time, you're not going to simply hear things that you've heard before. Um, I'm going to share some of what God has been showing me over the last six months or so. Um, it's been a refreshing look for me at God's perspective on the church. I've been doing a lot of studying, a lot of reading. I read a book called Future Church, and that's where this, this, um, this model, this analogy comes from, um, and, but then I've also gotten into a whole bunch of other material and a lot of processing, a lot of praying, um, and, and just kind of seeking where are we at right now? What is God saying to the church in America? What is God saying to Chapel Hill Church right now? And so that's where this all comes from. To start with, um, I want to consider some important characteristics of this church, Um, From a very broad perspective related to the Western church as a whole, we're going to take a look at four of the most common reasons why people are attached to a church, to a local church. Four of the most common reasons why you're here, and there are many more reasons than this. We're only going to look at four this morning, and they are the four most popular ones. But these are reasons why you come to a church, you stay attached to the church, and, and these are the ones that are kind of listed as the most common ones. And so like I said, there will be other things that you think of, well, that's, that's not the main reason why I'm at this church. Well, we won't cover all of them, but this gives us an understanding of who the church is And what it is that God's calling us into as a church. And so I want to look at those four things, those four characteristics of a church um, that will often be the main reason why people come to a church and stay at a church. And so the first one that I want to look at is very simple. The first one is place. And these are all P words because I'm a pastor and we like to do that. We start all words with the same letter. Um, The first one is place. Place is one main reason why people come to a church and are attached to a church and stay attached to a church. It's location. It's the fact that this is near your home. You're not driving two hours on a Sunday morning to get to church. It's close. It's local. It's convenient for you. This is a good place. And so you're here and you haven't found a good reason to leave and go somewhere else and drive farther. So you're here and you like this place. This is a good place. This has to do with um, not just location, but the facility, the the location of where this facility is, Um, the fact that. We sit right next to this gorgeous park. Uh, We have, I mean, this is an amazing piece of property, isn't it? I mean, this is absolutely incredible. We have this great place. Um, I am not an office job kind of person. I have a hard time just sitting still in an office all day. And so if I needed an office where I was going to spend a lot of time, for me to have a tree house over here that I get to operate in is a really big deal. I love this location. I love being distracted by the deer and all the other critters that go back and forth out here. This is a great location. This is a great facility. We have a beautiful piece of property. God has provided for us very, very well. And this is one of the reasons why some of you are here and and stay here because this is a great location. It's a great place to be. And so you're connected to it and you're committed to it. All right, the second, and yes, welcome back Captain Low-Tech, right? I mean, there's some, there are some people that would be like, have all this great graphic ways of displaying this and using technology, and I'm using push pins and styrofoam. So uh, one person did say I should use flannel graph. Um, that would have been great because that goes back decades. But, um, and and just, a, just a heads up for those of you who are in the back and are going, what does that say? Um, I wanted it to be neat, and so we printed these words out, but I realized that's pretty small. And we'll change that next week. Don't worry, they'll get bigger. Um, second reason why a lot of people stay with a church is the personality of the church. What this has to do with is the style of the church. What type of church is it? What is the style of worship here? Um, What kind of preaching do we get here? What is the personality of this church in terms of its, its feel, Um, I've heard from a lot of people who come here and decide to stay here that they're here because it feels like a community. It feels like a family. A lot of people that stay because after church on Sunday, we don't just bolt out the door. Everybody wants to hang around and spend time in this community. That's part of the personality of the church and a very strong reason why people decide to stick with a church. Our staff, our volunteers establish a certain personality to this church. And many of you can relate to that. This is the kind of style that you connect with. Um, God's church is represented by many, many, many styles, many personalities. There isn't one right answer in this. But you found this is to be one that, that you are connected with, that you can easily stay attached to because it appeals to you. It resonates with you. All right. The third one, the third P word that we're looking at, reason why people stick with a church is programs. We have good programs and that's why a lot of people come to a church and decide to stay at a church because of their programs. Um, Let me give you an example just from my own life. I've been here for uh, for a long time. I've been here for over fifteen years now. And what I've had the opportunity to do is raise a family in the programs of this church, right? And so even like Kelly was saying, just thinking back on Skateville and, and watching the graduation of their kids, um, and Paul won't admit it, but I think they're better skaters than he is now, um, but <laughs> watching our kids move through our programs is a strong reason to stay with the church. I raised my kids here. I have two 17-year-olds and a 14-year-old. So I've watched my boys grow up in this church and have the benefit of the programs of this church. I've watched them come through the children's ministry. I've watched them come through the youth ministry and have had different roles myself in these different programs. I've watched seasons where certain programs just shine and take off for a time, and then others kind of come up to the forefront, and, and I've seen that. I've seen the, the way that, that right now what we've been talking about for a little while is our outreach programs and that kind of stuff, and these are reasons to stay engaged with the church, um, and they're all good. Now, if you go back a couple of thousand years and think about the first church, especially during the first 300 years of the church that Jesus established, um, think about these things. They didn't have a specific place like this where they all gathered. That was not the model. They did come to the temple from time to time to receive teaching together, but it wasn't their weekly gathering. They met in homes, in, in their own homes. It wasn't, it wasn't the same as what it is here where they, where they drove for 20 minutes to get to their place. They didn't have a specific style to pick from. The New Testament church was brand new And so it was what you got. It was that. It wasn't shopping around and going, well, I like this style of worship and I like that kind of preaching and and all that. They didn't have that. They didn't have a lot of specific programs for different demographics in the church. There were some that were developing, definitely. We see that in the New Testament, that they came together, addressed a need that was there, assigned people to lead a program to meet that need, but it wasn't what we know here, it wasn't like, okay, well, your kids go to nursery and, and all that kind of stuff, and, and in spite of maybe not having these the way we have them now, that was the most explosive time of growth for the church in all of history, and so we, we have to be careful that we don't just assume that this is what we depend on, this makes or breaks the church, but these are all very real things that keep us at a church, that make us feel attached to a church. Okay, so then the fourth one, and this one has applied for all time and always will apply. The fourth thing that keeps us attached to a church, helps us feel like we belong to a church, is the people. Obviously, it's the people, right? Um, You look around you and your friends are here. This has become a community for you. There are People here support you and are there to build you up and encourage you. We pray for each other. We come alongside each other. When there's a need, we rise up and we meet that need together as people. This is a place where you feel like you belong because you're one of the people of this church. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. These four things, I want you to think about which one of these four things you would say is like your number one. What is your number one reason for staying connected to this church, the Chapel Hill Church? And there are no wrong answers, but I'm going to just have you put your hand up and show one through four fingers, okay? Number one, if place is your number one reason, two fingers if personality is your number one reason, three if it's programs, four if it's people, all right? Go ahead and put your hand up and let me know what it is for you, okay? And there's, I should have counted these. That would have been really cool to, to kind of figure this out. Okay, thank you. That, that gives me an idea that there's diversity in this group. Not all of you are here because of the location. In fact, that was probably the, the lowest number that I saw out there. Not all of you are here because of the programs. Not all of you are here because of the personality of this church. God has different reasons in mind, different things that have drawn you here keep you connected here. And these are all good things. But at this point, I want us to start seeing the church as a two-story house. And not just the main floor of the church. I want you to see from here on the church as a two-story building, a two-story house, a two-story church. The four P words that we put up there are all good things. I will not criticize any of those things. But all of these have come under criticism recently. It's really interesting as a pastor being able to kind of listen to and read and process all that's going on out there, all the things that are being said about the Western church. And the Western church may have gotten a bit too focused on just these things in recent decades. Many believe that the era of these being the core of what the church is, is over. That this isn't a good enough reason to to be the church. Um, The pandemic in particular has forced us to evaluate the effectiveness of our current church model. And that's a really good thing. It's a good thing for us to stop and go, are we getting this right? Are we doing this the right way? Are we focused on the right things? So I've been searching my way through all this as well, just personally and, and, and looking at all of it and, and what it means. And while there is tremendous value in the four Ps, this is a time when I've been asking if, if this has become all there is to church. And it's one thing to say, you know, in the Western church, like, this is what it's become. This is all that matters to the Western church. Um, I have to look instead at Chapel Hill Church. How are we as a church? What is it that we're made up of as a church? Um, Because this is a time when, when so many voices are asking, is this it? Is this enough to be an effective church? Is this really fulfilling what God has called his church to around the world? And many voices out there, are screaming at me to just abandon it. This isn't it. You need to walk away from this. They say that the American church needs to scrap this kind of model and replace it with a house church model only that does not depend on things like the facility or the programs or the personality of the church. And I'm, I'm digging deeply into this. It's been quite a journey There are many others who simply choose to push through this season in our life and keep trying to improve and focus on their facility, their programs, their personality. Now, in this series, I want to share with you some of what I'm learning during this extended time of reflection that's been thrust upon us and invite you all into a season of seeking God's will for Chapel Hill in this day and age. This journey starts with some fresh perspectives, so... Let me introduce you to what I'm seeing right now and invite you into this journey. I see the church as a house. Not with just one floor, but with two floors. On the main floor, all of the things that we just talked about are on display. The place, the facility, and the property has value. The personality of a church has value. The programs of the church have value and the people Who make up the church certainly have value. I believe that God has given us these four gifts and many more, and there is much that we could lose by rejecting or abandoning these things. Much. I've seen some extreme reactions to the Western church, and I don't agree with most of them, but I do see an opportunity. It's an opportunity to reshape the way that we see the kingdom that God has invited us into and what he has for us as citizens of his kingdom. God's church has an upper room. Everything that characterizes the main level is good and it is valuable. It is meaningful. These things help create the kind of flourishing eternal family experience that God provides for us. But these main level characteristics and experiences are not the sum total of God's vision for his kingdom, for his family. There's more, and we know that there's more. In fact, we live out that reality every day that there is more. We know there's more. We think like there's more, and we long for more in so many areas of our lives. This is one of them. And so one of the things that stands out as an upper room kind of a thing is the purpose of the church. What is the purpose of the church? Why does the church exist? Is the church here merely for our sake so that we can come and take whatever God has given us and consume it and enjoy it and be blessed by it? Um, What's beyond that? What is the, and then what? What is the more that comes with a church? And we all look for purpose in life, don't we? We want to know what the purpose of the church is. We want to know that there's more to this than the things that we receive and are blessed by. How do we engage with the purpose of the church and what is the purpose of the church? Now, when someone first starts attending a church, they quickly formulate an opinion about the main level of the church, don't they? That's just human nature. This is only five minutes from my house. Uh, What a beautiful setting right next to Lebanon Hills Park. This really feels like a community. Just look at how all those people stick around after church on Sunday. Uh, well, our kids are sure happy here. They, they love their Wednesday night group. Uh, it was so good to meet people. They really made us feel welcome here. This is all good. This is all positive. And, and these are things we do well. But it's not enough to provide the kind of connection to a church that I think God intends us to have. And I'm not seeing this as a failure in any way or a criticism in any way, it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity to have God open our eyes to the more, to the what else. What is it that God intends for us? We need to know the purpose of the church and be engaged in carrying out the purpose of the church. And we all want to live with purpose, especially when it comes to our place in God's kingdom, which, by the way, is overflowing with purpose. So what's the purpose of this church? From my perspective and from many perspectives here, what is the purpose of Chapel Hill Church? Um, first of all, I'm, I'm going to admit something to you that, uh, quite honestly, I'm not very proud of. Um, it's, it's understandable given the impact um, that our current circumstances have had on us over the last couple of years. I've had to come to terms with this recently, and I'm happy to declare that it's been very motivating for me um, to realize this, to see this. As a pastor over the last couple years, I've fought a battle to keep my eyes on the reality and necessity of a two-story view of church. It's been hard to do. When things get hard, which they certainly have the last couple years, it's easy to fall into the trap of focusing on the ground floor, the main level of the church, and just staying there. Think about the last two years. The pandemic affected our place. We chose not to use this space for a while because we didn't want to contribute to the spreading of the virus early on in the pandemic. The pandemic affected our personality. Online engagement, as is being proven today, is not a perfect substitute for being here in person. The pandemic affected our programs. We had to do things differently. And there were some things that that we didn't do for quite a while. And the pandemic affected our people. We lost some people and we gained some people, but our community, our family was impacted. We can't deny that. And while a lot of this hurt for a time, we stuck to following God's guidance and trusting His strength. But you know what didn't change during this whole time? Our purpose. It never changed. Times we really leaned into that purpose and we flourished, but there are times when I feel the weight of what's happening on the ground floor and I only see what's happening there. In recent months, we've been focused again on our purpose and we've walked through a couple of series like the one called Influencers and most recently the series called World View. We spent the Christmas season talking about hope and the need for hope in this world. And we're seeing God restore the ground level in many ways, and it is good, but I'll admit it's been an exhausting journey. The purpose of Chapel Hill Church is expressed through our vision and mission as a church. Our vision as a church is to move this generation from culture to kingdom. That's the vision that God has given us. We want to see the people of this generation, that means people living right now of all ages, set free from the danger and deception of the world's culture and released to live within the kingdom of God alive and well, even here in this world, through God's Spirit living in us. It is our purpose. And so our mission then as God's church is to guide people into a flourishing, contagious relationship with Jesus Christ. One of the main reasons we gather together is to equip ourselves to carry out the mission that Jesus handed off to us through his disciples 2,000 years ago. Jesus called us to join him in building his kingdom here on earth. A kingdom that will last for all eternity. And a kingdom that cannot be defeated and cannot be destroyed. So let's talk about that kingdom for a minute. And I want to back up. I want to back way up to the time of David. King David. God promised King David that he would establish an eternal kingdom through him. And it went back even further than than David. But David's offspring would rule that kingdom forever, God said. That king, that offspring would be Jesus. David's rule as king would point to Jesus, the king. David would respond to the establishment of that kingdom with words like these that are found in 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verses 10 to 13. I want you to just listen to these words. This is the account of David's response to what God was showing him about the establishing of his kingdom. Therefore, David blessed the Lord in the presence of all the assembly. And David said, Blessed are you, O Lord, the God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might and in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. And now we thank you, our God, and praise your glorious name. Now let's pause here for a minute. In the later chapters of 1 Chronicles, there's an account of an incredible kingdom being built. David puts Solomon in charge of building the temple, and David works on assembling the people into an elaborate kingdom structure. He works with thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of people, organizing them into roles. And along with Solomon's stunning efforts on the temple itself, this amazing kingdom is established. The Israelites invested and God provided absolutely everything his people needed. And David knew that. And so with a mighty kingdom established, David sat on his throne, basking in the glory of all that he had accomplished. Right? No, he did not. He praised God for that kingdom. He knew who the kingdom belonged to. We've just read his prayer of praise and thanksgiving, and I hope it's an inspiration to us. We belong to that kingdom. Chapel Hill Church is part of the kingdom that God established. We have invested in that kingdom and are still investing, and God has blessed his kingdom with everything it needs. And the next step then is presented very clearly for us. We're to praise God for the kingdom that he has established and called us to become a part of, and that ought to impact the way that we see this local church perched on this hill, created and called by God for his purpose. So can we make this our response to God's eternal kingdom? This could profoundly impact the way that we see and engage with the church. We praise God for establishing his kingdom, the kingdom that you and I are citizens of So then as promised to David, Jesus came and you and I, formerly excluded from that kingdom, were welcomed into it. Jesus spoke extensively to his followers about this eternal kingdom, showing us just how incredible it is and inviting us to seek it above all else. This is the kingdom we're called to invite people into. It's an eternal kingdom soon to come to earth in all of its fullness and be established here forever. And as we grow in our praise to God for his kingdom, he will grow that kingdom and provide everything that we need. So excuse me for stating the obvious here, but is there a greater purpose than aligning with Jesus and his vision to move people from the culture of this fallen world into the beauty of his eternal kingdom? Is there any greater mission than to reunite people with Jesus, their only hope of being restored to God? So let me put this in that perspective. The purpose of this place is to provide somewhere for people to hear about this kingdom, this Jesus, and equip the kingdom citizens to grow and to live out their love for their king, for each other, and for this world. The purpose of the personality God's given us is to draw people into His kingdom and to carry out His specific plan for this church, for Chapel Hill Church. The purpose of the programs in this church is to create kingdom community, kingdom unity, kingdom mindsets, kingdom equipping, kingdom calling, and kingdom impact. The purpose of the people in this church is to be and to represent the kingdom that we're being used by God to offer this world in contrast to the world's fallen kingdom and culture. If we see this church as a two-story, lower and upper room, purposeful body of believers, I know that we will find deep meaning and satisfaction in being members Together of this local, God-worshipping, Jesus-loving, spirit-led family, community, and ministry. The main floor of this incredible church that God has given us is the entry point to a calling that God has placed on all of our lives. It's a place where we discover our purpose as individuals and as a family. It's a place that is and represents an eternal kingdom that was established long, long ago and will remain for all of eternity. It's a place that leads to engagement with the purpose that God has given his kingdom. The ground floor leads us to the upper room. And we're going to explore that upper room together for the next few weeks. This morning, though, we get to celebrate our king together. Our king Jesus gave us some very unlikely things to remember him and his kingdom by. When we come to a time of communion, we don't pass around a crown to admire. We don't recall and boast of great wars that our king won. We don't, we don't share symbols of power as, the, as, as we would represent power. We were given bread and a cup. Both of which represent sacrifice. It's an unlikely way to remember our king and celebrate our kingdom. But it's God's way. And the king is God's son. And so we remember him and the sacrifice he made so that we could be included in his kingdom. I want to read uh, an account from Luke of the first communion that that Jesus instituted with his disciples. I think it's good this morning for us to go back to that. So listen to the words of Luke chapter 22, verses 7 through 20. It brings us the story of how this came to be. Then came the day of unleavened bread, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. And so Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare the Passover for us, that we may eat it. And they said to him, Where will you have us prepare it? So after we spend a couple minutes praying together, and I'm going to invite the worship team to come now and prepare. Um, Then during that first song, um, as we're singing together and worshiping together, you're invited to come to the table on your own time when you're ready. Take the bread and the cup. Take it back to your seat. Take it to the back with your family, wherever. Just go and partake together. Lead your family through this. Encourage each other through this. And remember well what this represents. This represents a sacrifice of one who invited us into his kingdom. Through his death. Through the sacrifice of his body. Through the spilling of his blood. So that we could be forgiven. And we could enter into this kingdom that was established long, long ago. That will remain for all of eternity. This morning, come filled with thanksgiving. Thankful that you are a citizen of that kingdom. If you are a follower of Jesus, you are welcome to come to the table. Let's pray together and prepare our our hearts as we come to celebrate communion together. Father, you are so good to us. You are so generous with us. You have given us so much. And as we look back and we reflect on the establishment of your kingdom, it's hard to even grasp, God. It's just, it's hard to wrap our minds around something that will last for all of eternity, never, ever end. It's hard when we look at this world and we We evaluate, we judge the kingdoms of this world and we see that they are imperfect and fallen and weak and temporal. But you've established this kingdom that is perfect, that is indestructible, that will last for all of eternity and you In your love and generosity and grace have invited us into that kingdom. And God, as a church, we want to surrender ourselves to your purposes for your kingdom. So I ask that as we work through this series and we we gain some new perspective on your kingdom and on your church, that you will just lead us into full engagement with the purpose that you've established for your kingdom. Thank you that you have given us your spirit. He is here. You are here with us, in us. And you will guide us into all truth. You will guide us into the experience, the engagement with your kingdom that you have called us to, that you have created specifically for us. So God, keep doing that. Keep opening our eyes to to your kingdom. Keep opening your eyes to the purpose you have for us as your church is your flock, your people, your citizens. And so God, as we come now to remember, I pray that you would fill our hearts with thanksgiving for all that you've done for us, to invite us into that eternal kingdom. It took the death of your son, and we acknowledge that. It took the torture and execution of your son to be the sacrifice that is once and for all so we don't have to make that sacrifice. It took his blood being shed for us to be cleansed of our sin, made holy, made worthy to be a part of your eternal kingdom. And we thank you for that this morning. So as we come, Father, please accept our gratitude for all that you've done. Yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.